What's going on, guys? It's your boy Topher, and this is Topher Talks. The point of this conversation is is to discuss the importance of cleaning up your finances and then building wealth. It's not to make you a millionaire, although that is a hell of a goal, and if that's what's on your bucket list, man, go for it. You might find that a lot of the things that we talk about here are also things that millionaires practice as well. Now, for the sake of this conversation, though, our point is much more direct. The point of getting your finances together is so that when you look at your kids, you can wonder what it's like to be their age and not have the weight of the world on their shoulders. At least that's what the point of it was for me. If that's not something that is on your radar, you don't have kids, you don't like kids, you don't care for kids, you're happy without kids, good for you. You know, think about whatever it is that your ultimate end goal is 20, 30, 40 years down the line. Where do you want to be? And make that your goal. The point of building wealth and cleaning up your finances is so that when you go to bed at night, you know that tomorrow you're going to be fed, you're going to have somewhere to live, you're going to be able to take care of yourself. And that's something that a large part of the world's population doesn't have. And again, the same thing 20, 30, 40 years into the future, all because you started to prepare for it today. So let's talk about some of the things that we need to know before we dive deep into the world of finances. First, what is credit? Credit is basically your ability to borrow now and pay back later. So if you've ever seen one of those older like Western movies or, or any movie that takes place in the early 1800s, you may have noticed a scene that goes something like this. Man picks up the phone, calls the bank, someone answers on the other line, and the guy says, Yes, hi, this is Miles Topher, and I need more credit. And the poor kid on the, you know, on the bank side is all nervous. And he's like, oh, Mr. Tofasa, of course, how much do you need? One million dollars. And I need it yesterday, kid. Right away, Mr. Tofasa. And then bam, Topher's got the money that he asked for. No questions asked. How was he able to just pick up the phone, call the bank, and tell them not only to give him money, but how much money he needs? Well, his reputation gave him that power. In today's world, things work a little bit differently but your credit plays a big part in giving you what today's version of that is. So now we know what credit is, but what is your credit score and how is it calculated? Well, your credit score is basically a numerical grade that's given that determines your worthiness to be lent money. And it's calculated using a bunch of different aspects such as, one, your payment history. Pay those bills on time, folks. Your payment history accounts for about 35% of your credit score, so stay on top of it. Two or three missed payments can rock your entire business up, and it takes years to recuperate from something like that. Your credit report, although it updates monthly, it does take years for things to fall off of them. It's not like if you missed three payments in January, February, and March, by August of that year, those, those missed payments will have fallen off of your report. That's not how it works. So just keep in mind that when you're making your payments and setting up your, your accounts, that you need to make sure you stay on top of everything. Your utilization rate. Your utilization rate is the percentage of money lent to you that you use. Lower equals better here. Why is that? Because if you have high utilization rates, lenders see that and think you're overextending yourself and not being financially responsible. It basically paints the picture that you have to rely on your credit cards to survive, and that makes you more high risk than someone who doesn't. So try and keep your utilization, the amount of money that you use on those credit cards, nice and low. The age of your credit. 
Lenders like to see that you hold your accounts for a long period of time. So generally speaking, longer is better. The models take your oldest account and your other accounts and they give you a score based on the average. So in my case, my average is about seven years when all is said and done. The mix of accounts on your report. Variety matters. So the idea is that you can balance multiple different types of financial responsibilities, such as student loan payments, car payments, credit cards, a mortgage, for example. And that's what creditors like to see. And then lastly, your hard inquiries. So remember earlier when we talked about soft inquiries and how they have no impact on your credit score? Well, hard inquiries do. The more you have, the more desperate for credit you appear to be. And that's a no-no. Nobody wants to lend money to someone who very clearly needs that money because they can't survive without it. Because the odds of you getting the money back are slim to none. Now, there are certain provisions. So for example, if you're shopping for a car loan or a mortgage, you can have a certain amount of hard credit inquiries within a specific window of time, and they won't count against you as individuals. So for example, if I'm shopping for a car and I go to four different finance companies within a week, that might not count as four different hard inquiries. More likely, it'll count as one giant one because it looks like you're shopping for a specific product, not like you're just out there begging for anything you can get. I know that this is a lot, guys. It was a lot for me, too. And when I was younger, I had no idea about how any of this worked. And this ties back to generational ignorance, right? There was no one there to teach me. My mom didn't know how it worked. Her mom didn't know how it worked. So I had to kind of figure it out on my own. And that's why I know that it's important to learn as much about finances as you can when you're younger, because that's when they rope you into a whole lot of shit that you might not fully understand. The minute you turn 18, you start getting spammed with credit card offers. Banks are on college campuses encouraging you to sign up for student credit cards with quote-unquote special interest rates and perks. Car dealers offer bad credit or no credit loans. And when you're 18 or 21, the temptation to live that baller life is overwhelming. Kids love the idea of flexing on their friends, especially now with social media, and these companies know it. The catch is that messing up your credit is really easy. All it takes is just a few bad decisions, and then you're kind of screwed for a few years. Missed payments and collections accounts can take years to remediate, so the best way to avoid that pitfall is to come prepared from the beginning with as much knowledge as possible. And if you're a little bit older than your late teens or your early 20s listening to this, and you're thinking, geez, okay, I get it if you were 18 or 21, but I'm 40, 50, 60 years old, what am I supposed to do now? It's too late for me. It is never too late. Get yourself out of that mindset. This isn't a race. Again, it's a marathon, and something is always better than nothing. Taking that first step matters. So don't get into your head about how old you are or what situation in life you're in or what obstacles are in your path. Just take that first step and then build upon that incrementally. You can do it. I know you can. Now, back to these companies. These overly friendly companies always conveniently fail to do one thing when they're selling you on a new product. They fail to explain important terms that need to be understood before taking on any debt at all let alone giant purchases like cars or houses or high-limit credit cards that stick with you for a long time. At least, they don't explain it in a way that the average Joe Schmo understands it. They just throw out words, you know, interest, APR, blah, 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 and they expect you to already know it. Or, 
on the more cynical side, they expect you not to know it and not to ask any questions. So let's try to learn about some of this stuff together and hopefully it'll help you going forward. So the first thing that we need to learn about after credit is interest. What's interest? The official boring definition is, interest is a percentage of a loan balance paid to the lender periodically for the privilege of using their money. It's money that you pay on top of the loan payment for borrowing the money. So let's think of it like this. If I let you borrow a dollar and we agree on the payment terms, which means the, the rules of you borrowing money from me, let's say we agree that you can pay me back in 10 payments of 11 cents per month. If you do the math on that, you'll actually end up paying me back $1.10 for having borrowed that dollar. The additional 10 cents is what I charged you in interest. That's my profit for taking a risk on you and letting you borrow. Lenders make money by charging interest on loans, and this includes credit cards, car payments, and mortgages. One of the benefits of having a higher credit score is that you're charged lower interest rates. You still with me so far? Okay, good. Now let's talk about the pitfall of being granted credit. Temptation. I mentioned in our last episode that to build up her credit, Susie could take out a secured credit card. Let's dive into this just a little bit more. There are two types of credit cards that you can apply for, that I know of at least. Secured and unsecured. A secured credit card requires you to put down a cash deposit, and typically that deposit amount is the amount of credit that you're granted. So you put down $300, your credit limit is $300. That card is secured by your deposit. If you fall behind on payments or stop altogether, you forfeit your deposit and the credit card company keeps it. Some companies will give you a little more than what you put down as a deposit, so feel free to shop around and see what other options are available. Just like you never buy the first car you test drive, you never run with the first card you see. Always shop around. The other kind of credit cards that you can qualify for are unsecured credit cards. These cards require no deposit to be put down and come with a predetermined credit limit picked by the company based on your credit worthiness. Some companies, if you pay on time and demonstrate good usage habits, will periodically review your credit file and raise your credit limit. These would count as soft inquiries on your credit report in most instances, and if you're ever in doubt, just call the company and ask. Now the tempting part of having a credit card is, essentially, you always have some form of paying for things available it's easy to get into the mindset of, well, I really want X, Y, or Z object. I'll just put it on my credit card and I'll pay it off later. Guys, be careful. This is a very easy trap to fall into. The more money you put on those cards, the more money you have to pay back. Remember what we talked about regarding interest. Those monthly payments will climb higher and higher and higher, and you'll find yourself in a situation where you're just paying another bill with no freedom to use the card because it's maxed out very quickly. I feel like Susie was a good help to us in the last episode. So let's look at another example. Let's use my boy Joey. Joey gets paid $700 a week. He's got no kids and he's single. When Joey gets paid, he pays all of his bills, his rent, his utilities, his car note. They add up to about $2,000 a month. Now Joey is a single man and he knows that in order to get himself a fine bay, and maintain the respect of his homies, there's a certain image that needs to be projected. Joey drives a new car. His car payments come out to roughly $600 when you factor in insurance. Young 20-something-year-olds with lower credit, so his rates are definitely a little bit higher. 
He's also got a love of sneakers, so you know he's got the newest and the classic stuff all the time. Retro J's, Air Forces, whatever, you name it, my dude's got a mini store in his closet. Every time a new sneaker comes out, he's ready to drop $250 on a pair, and he keeps them in rotation. Joey is now over the bachelor life, and he just wants to get himself a little boot thing. Cuffing season is coming. So he gets dressed. He goes to the shop to get his hair looking right. Costs him a solid 20 bucks at least. Then hits the scene with his boys. He sees a girl he likes. He's got to buy her a couple of drinks, or she's going to think he's cheap. There's no such thing as guys in free before 11, so Joey also had to fork up the $20 to get into the club. And drinks aren't cheap either, so every time he buys a girl a drink, he's shelling out at least $10. And he, of course, has to have a couple of drinks too. Assuming he's having a good night, he buys four drinks total, two for him, two for this lovely lady whose digits he just got. Maybe after the club, you know, he takes her out for a post-dancing meal. We talked about how girls get hungry after they've been dancing all night. Now, using the same math as we did for Susie, let's say this ends up costing $50. For this one-night excursion, Joey has spent $130, and if he does it every weekend, there goes $520. Along with getting one new pair of sneakers a month, Joey is spending $770 of quote-unquote extra money per month. That's $3,520 per year on nothing tangible. If Joey had a credit card with, say, a $1,000 credit limit, he could always put that $130 on his card. And so long as he only does it once in a while, he'll be okay. The problem is, if Joey does it every weekend, after a month, he's already over 50% of his utilization rate. And that's going to drop his credit score. Now let's look at the terms on his credit card. He's got a $1,000 credit limit with an interest charge of 24%, because remember, his credit score is low. And he's got a minimum payment due of 4% of the total balance owed. It's a lot of numbers and a lot of percentages, and I hate it but we have to learn it. So at that rate, after one month, Joey would have a total balance on his card of $520. The way the math all shakes out, his total payments would come out to $20.80 per month for 51 months over the course of four years. Right? Now that's just for one month of putting those additional expenses on his card. By the time that Joey's done paying that card off, he would have paid back a total of $815.04 for the privilege of spending $520 over the course of a month four years earlier. That's a $300 profit to the credit card company that Joey is paying for. And that's using smaller numbers like a $1,000 limit and $520. Now, as you keep adding higher numbers, obviously that increases. Now, I'm not saying that credit card companies are evil guys. I don't want you to walk away thinking that I'm anti-credit card company or anti-taking out loans. It's not that. It's that at the end of the day, we need to remember that they're a business and their job is to make money. And no matter how nice the person is when you call on the phone or the representative when you meet for the first time who's trying to sell you this product, remember that their job is to sell you a product. They're not necessarily concerned about what happens to you after the fact. Now, in Joey's case, there are a couple of things going on that make it a little bit more difficult for him to realize that he's not living his financial life to the best of his ability. For one, the social pressure. 
right? We can't ignore social pressures for people to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to be in certain places, to own certain objects. And I think one of the cons to being young, I think there are two cons, in fact, to being young. One, you're still so concerned about what everybody else thinks that you might be making decisions that are not in your best interest so that you can keep up with that image. In, in Joey's case, that's part of his problem. And two, being young comes with this mentality of, I know what I'm doing. I've got it all figured out. I got this. And sometimes that works to their detriment. It makes it harder for them to listen when we give advice. I could say that now because I'm not in my 20-somethings anymore. That's pretty cool. It makes it harder for them to listen when we give advice. It makes it harder for them to accept that they're wrong. They're so dead set. You know, something about, I don't know, I want to say maybe like, 13 to 25-ish, if I had to throw a range out there, I call that the invincible ages. They know everything. They need no help. They've got it all figured out. We're all old. And that's all they have to say about that. But the catch to that is we can see the mistakes that they're making. Joey, I can see where you're fucking up. But you're not going to listen to me when I tell you that's what you're doing wrong because you've got it all figured out. Versus someone who's a little bit older, I think you have the opposite, right? So you're older, you're wiser, you understand that maybe you don't have it all figured out, and sometimes you need to ask for help, and sometimes what you thought was right was wrong, and you need to be able to admit that. That's what comes with aging, is the wisdom to know that you are not the end-all be-all, that there's a whole world outside of you and your brain that has advice on how to do things better. Now, it still is incumbent upon you to take that advice and do something with it, but at least having the open-mindedness to hear the advice is a good starting point. So again, I'm referencing younger folks because when I sit down and think about my kids who are in their very early teens, when I think about the 900 siblings that I have roaming around the world who are all younger than me, I think about the things that I would want them to know, and that's what I'm sharing with you guys. For some of you, this is base level. You already know it. I'm just repeating stuff that you've heard a thousand times over, and that's awesome. You've got this foundation. Good for you. Build on it, you know? But for others, this might be the first time that you're hearing it or that it's being explained to you in a way that can relate to your life. That's what I'm aiming for. That's what I'm trying to put out there. And hopefully you find value in it. Now, for my boy Joey, let's think about some of the ways that Joey can take his lifestyle and improve it or change it. One option Joey has is he could start a small business with his sneakers. In 2019, buckle up guys, this is wild. I, I, my eyes opened so wide when I heard this. In 2019, Business Insider reported that the sneaker resale business was a $2 billion market. $2 billion for reselling sneakers. Now, Joey's already got the foundations down. He's got extensive knowledge on the subject of sneakers. 
So he can jump right into the game and start to turn some profit on the shoes he no longer wants or wears. And if he's really into it, he can grow it into a viable business. Supply and demand for sneakers isn't a business that's dying down anytime soon. So why not make a few dollars to support the lifestyle that you want to lead? If his plan is buy the sneakers, wear the sneakers once or twice, put them in his closet, then why not buy the sneakers, wear the sneakers once or twice, resell them, use that money to buy more sneakers? That's an option. The point that I'm trying to get at is be creative in how you look at your money. Think about ways to make it work for you, not have you constantly working for it. Make your money work for you. Don't constantly be stuck in the cycle of having to work for it and never having enough to get to where you want to go. Hopefully that made sense to you guys. I know that there were a lot of percentages and numbers and math thrown all over the place, and I am so sorry to do that to you. I hate math with a fiery passion. In fact, I could say with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. But when it comes to money, unfortunately, we have to know it. So I don't have really any homework for you guys this week other than just keep doing what you were doing last week. If you were able to set that money aside last week and you can do it again this week, please do and continue to do that. They say it takes 21 days to build a habit. So let's try and build that habit over the course of the next few weeks. I want you to keep saving that money up and then hopefully you guys will reach out and let me know where you are a month two months, three months, six months, a year down the line, and that number continues to grow. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for interacting with me, for participating in the survey. Thank you for taking the time to listen to what little old me has to say. Hopefully I'm not babbling too much. I really appreciate you guys, and I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for tuning in. This is Topher Talks.